0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, a podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Shoe. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello, thanks for having me back. Today's topic, Birds of Prey, a short-lived TV series loosely based on the Birds of Prey comics. If you have not yet watched Birds of Prey but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. As always. How did you first hear about the show was it when it first aired it would have been back in 2002 it was and the funny
1: thing about that is that um and it's a talking point that i want i wanted to bring up so i'm glad that you mentioned it right off the bat it's a show that you just connect to a certain period of your life and a certain time of your life um where you were at when the show aired and um for me i was a young i was a young fellow a young man in my early 20s and uh i was working um, around the area, the suburb that my grandparents live in and I was working night fill for a uh, department store, grocery store, um, I won't say which one, but um, I would come home from my night shift. The shift would finish about 11, at night. I'd come home and, um, you know, you're still pretty G'd up from work, pretty wired. You don't want to go to sleep just yet. So, you, you know, you have a late dinner or you fix yourself a snack and you watch some TV, read the paper, whatever, flick the TV on, bit of late night viewing for a couple hours before you go to bed. Takes you a while to kind of calm down. I'm working and um, Birds of Prey would come on and I was like, what's this? And it caught my interest. It piqued my interest and I re- recognized the name. I realized it was based on a DC property and um, I was just invested. I was hooked and um, it, I'll never forget that show just because it connects
0: me to that time in my life. When I was in college, I used to work in a pub and now I live in Australia. Coming from the UK, I worked in a Australian themed bar. This show would come on TV at nine o'clock. I would start my shift in town at 10 so i'd only ever catch the first five ten minutes and it always intrigued me and this is before we had the easy access of the internet so you yeah. kind of had to watch it as it aired but i remember the marketing for this though and they used scenes from batman returns and they really lent on a batman returns connection mm. when you watch the show it's not really there so mm. for the marketing purposes I can see
1: why they did it. Oh, of course, because that's how they're going to lure people in. You know, they use Batman because he's iconic and
0: that's going to draw people in. The first appearance was in a Black Canary Oracle one shot mm-hmm. titled To Pray. A prey. Yep, mm-hmm. you guessed it. The book's premise originated as a partnership between Black Canary and Barbara Gordon, who had adopted the codename Oracle at the time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. since expanded. We've had characters like Harlequin, just like in the new movie that they're making yep. huntress like in the show and i'm blanking for some reason that uh katana there's pretty much every dc superhero or female superhero at some stage has been on a team we should probably expand upon how and why oracle gets that name and why she becomes oracle well we get it in the pilot don't we mm, see yeah. joker shoots and paralyzes Point barbara blank. gordon and she can no longer continue as Batgirl, and she takes up the new identity of Oracle. Oracle yep. And we've not really seen it live-action outside of the show. No. If this show gives us nothing else, it
1: gives us that. Oracle, yeah, which I thought was always cool, because she's heavily referenced in the Arkham Asylum games.
0: She's patched into Batman's cowl. I mean, the comics now, they've gone back to Barbara Gordon, mm. Batgirl. Yeah, where she's I'm walking really... around. really... I really liked Cassandra Kane Batgirl. You know where she had the stitched-up yeah. mouth on the cowl. I collected Always that. It was cool. I collected that run in comics, and I loved
1: that it. it was it was the, the covers really jumped out at me because Damian Scott was the artist, and
0: I I picked him up just for that. I loved it. Stephanie Brown, Batgirl, that was really good as well. Okay, I'm okay with Barbara Gordon, Oracle, because we get yeah. such good Batgirls. Absolutely, filling her shoes. Birds of Prey on TV. So with this show, it ran from 2002 until 2003. As we said already, this one is a loose adaption, but the Birds of Prey have featured in other TV shows. Justice League Unlimited in 2004, or it ran from 2004 to 2006. Within that two years, we got an episode scripted by Gail Simone. The episode was titled Double Date. Oh, there you go. Most Birds of Prey comics, the best ones, are written by Gail Simone. Mm -hmm. Like She's the master when it comes to these characters. But I did read that there was a bit of a a bit of an issue because originally the focus was going to be the characters we're getting this TV series Black Canary Huntress and Oracle. But there was something to do, or it may have been Batgirl, and there was something to do with the rights around the Batgirl character, even though it was a Justice League show. So they had to split the characters up, ah. and they brought in other characters like I think it was Green Arrow and Black Canary together. Yeah, and maybe the question was brought in. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Batman: Brave and the Bold. That was is a good it? show. Oh man. When Loved it. when that first came out and I watched a couple of episodes and I'm like right well this is clearly not for me. Like I am not the audience that aiming at a much younger demographic and then yeah. I can't remember what made me come back to it but I checked it out again and it's like it's pure something spoke to you silver age joy.
1: I was the same. It was a bit camp in style and I it just turned me right off. But then, for whatever reason, I just started watching it, just out of boredom, if nothing else. And it just drew me in. I
0: was like, you know what? I can get on board with this. I absolutely love it. Like, yeah. I'm I not ashamed love, to say that now, but, either. I'm not ashamed at all. I have the game nope. on the Nintendo Wii. It's a lot of fun. Wow. Wow uh met Joe DiMaggio. He did wow. the Aquaman voice right. at, at so a con I. a couple no, of years ago. And, just dropped a memory. and I just sent to him I got his autograph and it's like, oh I love it in the show, the way that Aquaman would say outrageous. That's right. And DiMaggio just went, Well I can't do it, but he just did the outrageous quote and it was amazing.
1: That's right, because I remember saying saying the same thing. Um I saw I met him at Supernova a bunch of years ago and um he signed a Gears of War comic for me because he's also the voice of Marcus Phoenix in the Gears of War franchise. And I um, I remember, I, I didn't think to ask him to say that's outrageous, like the way he does it on the show, he's like, that's outrageous! But I wish
0: I had a, I, I, mean, I wish I had
1: got him to do that.
0: It's too. great that he said it, but I didn't ask him to, I didn't get him to. I just he, made reference to liking it on the show. She, I'd never go up to an actor and can say, Can you, you say, say that line? line? I mean imagine how many times together. He used that.
1: to slip it in all the time, like
0: these whores are derbs are outrageous. What I love about Batman Brave and the Bold, and we will get on to Birds of Prey, but yeah. Batman Brave and the Bold, it the interpretation of Aquaman in that show only exists in that show. Which is He's, so weird for me. He was more Hercules, like the Marvel yeah. comics version. Yeah, you're right. But they were doing their own spin, and mm-hmm. I just loved it. There's an episode, and it plays out like a National Lampoon's Vacation movie, oh, where
1: he can't get away from his family,
0: or he wants. It is. To, wants it is to, amazing.
1: He wants to get away from his family because like, he keeps trying to sneak yeah, away from yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I saw it.
0: Maybe we should do an episode on that. We need to <laughs> down we the line. Do it, that's, it our is, next, that's our next show. It is so good. It is so good. Uh, in the episode of Batman Braving the Bold with Birds of Prey, which we'll probably mention mm-hmm. Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. It's the episode, The Mask of Matches Malone. It's the identity that Batman uses when he to goes undercover. a reference to it. In the episode, Batman gets amnesia and he believes himself to really be Matches Malone. But because this is an episode that features the Birds of Prey, once again, written by Gail Simone. Mm-hmm. If you want good Birds of Prey, get Gail Simone. She's got a real handle on the characters. Thinking about it, a name does not appear at all in the live-action TV series. No. Which is a bit of a a loss for the show, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And for us, the audience. On the TV show Arrow, we did get the Birds of Prey. We had Laura Lance, Katie Cassidy. We got the Canary, Sarah Lance, played by Katie Lotz, who later went on to become White Canary in Mm -hmm. Legends of Tomorrow. And we also had Helena Bertolini, Mm-hmm. The Huntress character. Yep. That was Huntress in the comics. There's two. There's the version that is on Earth One or Earth Prime. And that is the one that she's related to the Italian mafia. Mm-hmm. And that is Helena Bartolini. Right. In the show, it's the Earth Two version of Huntress, who is the daughter of both Batman and Catwoman. Yeah. So it's interesting in this live action show, they're using that. the Earth 2 version, yep. which knowing that straight away watching this, it, it's almost as if you're watching an Elseworlds tale. Yeah. And that's how I got to enjoy Gotham. Yeah. Just watching it is like this, and Krypton as well. It's mm. like it's an Elseworlds. Elseworlds comic on the I always TV. loved the uh,
1: Justice League Unlimited cartoon version of Huntress. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah Classic she was my, Huntress. She was my favorite. And that's the Earth Prime version. Yep. The plot, then. Let's talk about Birds of Prey. I'll do a brief outline, and then we can get into the characters. A and sure. as we do, we'll go through it. The series is set in New Gotham City, several years after it has been abandoned by Batman following the Joker's last stand. In Batman's absence, Oracle and the Huntress have taken over his war on crime. The two are joined by Black Canary, Alfred Pennyworth, and Detective Jesse Reese, a police officer confronted with crimes and abilities he cannot explain. And before going go any further and we talk about Huntress, let's just talk a little bit about Shima more. Is it Shima or Shirma. It's either or. But the reason why I want to bring him up first is because he is the reason we're here today talking about it. I have wanted to sit down with somebody and talk about Birds of Prey for the longest time. We've covered many things. Mm-hmm. Movies, TV, mm-hmm. modern... Older you name it. on this show, but I've struggled to find someone to do Birds of Prey with. So thanks, Nathan, for being that someone. No problem. Talk about it. Meant to be, dude. Meant, meant to be. Him to be the reason why we're doing it because we were at Supernova together and you happened to mention him because he's got the new show coming out, SWAT. Swat. And on the back of that, mm-hmm.
1: here, we here, we, here we are. Here we are. It's funny because I wanted to catch the SWAT pilot that aired last week, I think it was. Uh, It was a double episode that aired and I had fully intended to watch that, but it just slipped my mind at the last minute. I was busy doing something else. But I'm hoping Channel 7 decide to repeat it because uh, I do want
0: to watch it just for Sherman Moore's involvement. We can talk about that off-air. Yeah. Catch up. You can watch it on Catch Up. Yeah. Just check the app. You can watch it. (laughs) Okay, so the show, uh, despite the series' debut getting ratings of 7.6 million views, at the time the network's largest premiere in the 18-34 to year demographic, but the series was cancelled after ratings fell sharply in subsequent weeks. That is the biggest mystery to me.
1: That's really what I want to unearth here on this show today, is why the hell did a show that was so successful or seemed to rate really well of audiences and test well of audiences... Why did it get dropped
0: after one season? I'm going to have a guess. Remember the marketing I talked about earlier and they kept showing over and over clips on Batman returns and they were showing Batman and Catwoman. Right. When you watch the, watch the actual show you realize very quickly, oh, it's not that, it's something else. Yeah. And I think people would have been interested. Now they turned them off. The producers on this show and the network were responsible for Smallville, which you know had been going for a couple of years at this point. Mm-hmm. So this was going to be Superman on TV was Smallville. Batman right. on TV, the plan was for Birds of Prey. Gotcha. So the interest would have been there and it fell short. Yeah. Interestingly though, they knew it had been cancelled uh, more than halfway through production. And they were allowed to finish the series with two final episodes. They had to basically tailor the ending. So I know you the last you did watch the finale yeah, and it's very rushed. Like we, we can get to the episodes, but the reason why it was rushed is because the show starts off very slow. It it's building it's to something. Burn. And then burn. the last two to three episodes, it is a mad dash to the finish to line. The point, yeah. so, I mean, I am glad that they got to finish it, but everything again, that mm. slow burn that we started mm. with and it just but loses. You can tell they completely. really wanted
1: to do long form storytelling and exposition and character analysis and stuff. You could tell they really wanted to flesh it out and have a um, you know, a detailed psyche valve, if you like, of the different characters on the show, but they just didn't have the time to do that. They were hampered probably by budget constraints and by time, like you say, and just, like you say, it just sort
0: of all dovetailed and spiraled. You know, and interestingly, this show, like there's so many people that I know that are into the same thing that we're into that Mm. don't realise this, either they don't realise this show exists or completely forgot about it. They just missed it, yeah, went over their heads. So we are getting the new movie, Margot Robbie's coming back as Harley Quinn. But I'm glad that we're putting this episode out there just to shine a light on this show because maybe
1: the movie might spark interest in, I think it will
0: in the think it will now this it might this see series, a release on d v d Well, that's what I was going to say. it has only ever been released in the u s so region if, one only so you can get it as an import, it's still available Amazon wherever, but here in Australia, the u k. you can't get it okay, because that covers that answers my question off air I wanted to ask you that oh well there we go. there you go. answered on Two air. bird. Three birds, one stone. So let's get into the actors then. You know, I would like to know the correct way of saying Shima more. Is it Sherma? I don't know. We have. To, I, I, I've i always looked at it when I've seen it in
1: writing as Shirma. So I think off air, we're going to have to research this.
0: Yeah. I mean, ideally, we'd have done it before. But yeah, we could we we do, do it after. But you know, I know him for two things outside of... Well, three things, including this... <laughs> Criminal Minds, like uh, yeah. you know, like that's, in that? that's a show that I've not seen in a very long time. That's where everyone knows him from. Yeah, that that's the big thing for him. But did you know he is Cyborg in the DC New 52 animated movies? Get out of town. Starting with Justice League what? Wow. They bring him back every time. When they're doing that continuity, like, I don't think Cyborg's going to be in it, but the latest one is going to be Batman Hush. So whenever you've got Jerry O'Connell as... Superman, you've got this guy. I'm gonna. I try. I don't want to keep butchering his name. I'm just gonna say Shermar. Let's go with Moore, Mister Moore. Mister Moore. Yeah, he's cyborg in that. Okay, we've got there to start go. with Ashley Scott as Helena Kyle Huntress. She's actually really serviceable in the role. I thought she really nailed it. It took me the longest time to realize how similar Helena and Selina is. Mm. I mean, that's an obvious thing, I Sabrina guess. Helena Kyle, Helena but Kyle. Yeah. yeah, like when you hear the names together. You can make the it's connection, like... yeah. Yeah, see, in this continuity, in this series, Batman and Catwoman are in a relationship. Get together. Catwoman is murdered, and Batman leaves, which, you know, like the bits that I'd seen of it years ago and watching it again for this, mm-hmm. I've always hated that. Yeah. That Batman just gets up and leaves. Mm. But he does. And it leaves Huntress with no mask, yeah, at all. Yeah. Like, I get that the bar she works in, the Dark Horse Bar, which I, whether it's intentional or not, it's a nice nod to the comics. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, they did a lot of crossovers with DC over the years. Isn't it funny how, like, in the canon, it, it, it's twists and turns. Like um
1: in the canon, in the comics, there's a version that says that. Batwoman, no, Batman and Talia al Ghul get together and have a child. But then there's also this iteration that says that
0: Batman and Catwoman get together and have a child, which is Huntress. But again, like that is the Earth 2 storyline. Mm. And that doesn't get thrown around a lot. Like when they did the New 52 years ago, and unfortunately they've done away with it. But when that was out, their version of Earth 2 was even different to that. Mm. So this version of the characters, it's not a thing. You just wonder what's canon in a call at this point. You just take this show as being its own thing. I mentioned the Smallville connection. Like you say, one of the early episodes, they make reference to Meteor Freaks, Mm -hmm. which is a little nod to Smallville. So maybe they would have built to something there. Again, it's got the same producers, the same network. You get the sense that maybe, had they been allowed to continue and didn't get cancelled, that there could have been a crossover. Maybe. Yeah. But Helena Kyle, so when she's Huntress. Her outfit is very of the time, you know. It's off the back of the Matrix and movies like that. Yeah. Everything's black, big trench coat, generic, flowing. Yeah, but there's no mask. And what I was going to say is, I get when she's in her civilian identity, she's working at a metahuman bar. Yeah. So the idea is that maybe she doesn't need a mask, and if she gets recognised, she's only going to get recognised by other metahumans in the community. Yeah. You think she's serviceable? Then you like her in the role? Absolutely. Yep. Um. I. I. She, she just
1: works as, as Huntress, and you buy it, you believe it. Um, she even looks the part, you know, and there's something about her that you can believe that she's the offspring of Bruce and Selena. I was curious, like, what else
0: has she done? And uh, the actress she actress, was in... Good question. I wondered that myself. She was in Jericho and Dark Angel. Bit parts, I believe. Movies, uh, she was in the 2004 remake of Walking Tall, you know, one of the Rock's early movies. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I still have the DVD. Really enjoyed it at the time. So maybe I'll go back and have a look, just so I can see her in a movie. Yeah. We've got Diana Mayer as Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Oracle. Yeah, she looks familiar. Starship Troopers, she's in that. She starred opposite Keanu Reeves in the 1990 film Johnny Mnemonic. Okay, yep. That, that uh, what up. else? Uh maybe at some point you watch the teen drama series Beverly Hills Nine oh two one you know? oh okay, yeah. Yep, <laughs> she, yep. she was in that. So she she's somebody's faces. Yeah, and she's done a lot. And you know what? I think Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this now. She is the best part of this show. Well wow. I'd say she is the best part. She's I good. do like um Scott as Huntress. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. She just looks and sounds to me like Barbara Gordon. Yeah. And we get in the comics now, Barbara Gordon's young. So this is an older, more mature Barbara Absolutely. Gordon. And I
1: think she's just nailing it. And in the show, she definitely is the glue that holds them all together.
0: There's just She brings a sense of cohesion to the whole thing, which I noticed. And the, the third mm-hmm. member of the mm-hmm. Birds of Prey, yep. we have Rachel Scarsden as Dinah Redmond. Mm-hmm. Later find out it's Dinah Lance. Yeah. Who is also Black Canary. Who's obviously Ollie Queen's girlfriend. Black and Green Arrow's girlfriend. Well, we find out... there. Okay, so this is before the internet when was crazy. what it is today, yeah, as I yeah. said earlier. But there was still a lot of upset. Yeah. The interpretation of Black Canary. So they changed a few things. And in a later episode, the actual Black Canary was introduced. She had the Canary cry... And then we find out that who we first thought was Black Canary is actually the daughter of the original Black Canary. Ah, okay. A bit of misdirection there. Again, it was fan outcry Mm. that made them fix a mistake. Yeah, Have you seen that episode of Black Canary? No, that might have been one of the ones I haven't watched I think it's maybe episode six or seven. The effects that they use when she has the canary cry is not the best yeah. she kind of the actress is inhaling and then she's blowing out and then there's like like got like golden circle ripples expanding from her mouth i Isn't don't know i supposed to mean, how it looks i look? mean I, I guess it's mm. i mean we we will get through the characters and then get to the effects speaking of this later. Of the actress
1: that plays um canary call me crazy but i think i've seen her elsewhere before and i think i know what it's from Her face looks familiar and I think she was in Seinfeld. I think she played Jerry's girlfriend in one episode and she... Was overly affectionate and she used to say the word Schmoopy.
0: No, she, she she's not that girl. T- well, she's a teenager in this, and it came out in two thousand and two. Uh, okay. So if you look at when Sight no, Night can't Yeah, be. all right, yeah. They Shot be. that down in flames. If you're looking for a DC connection though, Terry Hatcher is in an episode. Oh, okay. Of well, there you go. Yeah, that's a great episode. There you go. Um, where are we? Okay, yeah, so but Scarston, upcoming DC project, she's gonna be the main villain in the Batwoman TV series. Wow. She is playing Alice, the sister of Boobo Rose's character KK. There you go. Interesting. Jesse Reese, Mr. Moore. Mm-hmm. Mr. Moore. He's, he's good in this. Mm-hmm. He's, good. You know, he's good, He's good. He's serviceable. He's a competent cop. We find we find out that he's the son of Dragon. Mm-hmm. At least Richard Dragon, isn't it? A character they've used in the Arrow T V series, a character from the <laughs> comics. Yep. He's got skills too, he can act in this in this show. Like he really
1: you believe him in the role, as a detective. Yeah, I, th- I think he's good, you know, he's he's a good cop,
0: he's not corrupt and
1: It's funny how he's always involved in police procedural shows. It seems to be what he's has got. He's out just for. got one of them faces. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> he's right. Got one of them
0: faces looks like a cop. Yeah. Yep. They do a thing in this where it, they start well, I guess I'm saying they start like from the beginning they've got the will they won't they Jesse yeah. or Reese. There's some flirtation going on there. And you, you just know that there's some lingering tension, and sexual she, tension. She gives him the ring. That they refer to as a bat ring. I'm like,
1: ah, oh, and, and it's the Birds
0: of Prey logo, but it's yeah. a bat ring. Yeah, and when he presses it, she just appears, like mm. out of thin air. We need to go back to Huntress a moment. Mm-hmm. She has, she's a metahuman. She's got superpowers because Catwoman had superpowers, mm. and again, this is the Earth Two Huntress. Narration. In the comics, Catwoman is a cat burglar. That's it. No powers whatsoever. But in this show, meta human. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Really don't like that. Yeah, that's pretty lame. But anyway, do we have anything else nice we want to say about Jesse Reese other than that he's, I wouldn't expect him to be doing anything more than what he's doing? He's delivering. Like, he's got the part, he's playing the role, and he's mm. doing it well. Yeah. No, there's really not much more to say about him, is there? Okay, Uh, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, also known as Harley Quinn, played by Mia Sarah. Where's she from? Oh, you're asking me questions that I don't have the answers to. (laughs) She's from Birds of Prey, that show that came out in 2002. (laughs) No, she's got one of those faces that you've seen She does, but unfortunately, I I don't know where else she's from. This is interesting, though. So Dr. Harleen Quinzel, and And she is playing the psychiatrist to Huntress. Yeah, but she's...
1: Focusing on the zeroing in on this, uh, the psychiatrist side of of uh, of Harley Quinn, obviously, who is Harley Quinzel, and it's interesting that she plays the role with, with a sense of duality, and it's almost like we know this is post Joker because he's had that effect on her, uh, and she mentions Mister J in a couple of episodes, but um, it's interesting that she's kind of not fully all the way Harley Quinn per se in in this show; she's sort of. Does revert back to her Harley and Quinzel persona. The yeah, she's able persona. to
0: switch. But towards the mm. end, though, she is. Going, oh, she embraces she's it, going yeah. full Harley. Yeah, but that's is. what we are talking about earlier, though, when there's yeah. that mad dash to the finish line. Like yeah. everything is, is rushed. So it's the episode before the finale, episode 12, where it's revealed who everybody finds out about everybody. Yeah. So all this time, it's you know, Huntress is like, oh, Harley Quinn, you're behind all of this. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, we've been in each other's lives. But it's
1: like she's been set up to be the big bad for Series 1. And you can just get the sense that had they been given the green light to make more, more seasons of it, that there would have been more big bads, you know?
0: I mean, Joker, I mean, is in here. And it wasn't until we rewatching this pilot, I completely forgot Mark Campbell provides the voice. That's an interesting talking point. I was going to mention
1: that. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, why not? So good. It's a really nice way to reference the animated series.
0: It's a nice way to reference canonical um, appearances. So with Hamill providing the voice only, we do get Roger Stoneburner as the Joker. So he's the live-action actor who you he see. Is. Yeah. Hamel Hamill provides the voice. And he's almost out of focus a lot of the times yeah, when you actually yeah. see him. But yeah, so he was just the body, and then Hamill
1: is the voice who does a bit of a monologue, ex- uh, like an external monologue in the...
0: In the uh, the pilot, so I'm assuming maybe Stoneburner is a stuntman. I don't know, and Batman as well. I'm thinking stuntman because to this mm. day nobody has been credited as playing Batman. There you go. In Birds of Prey, we do have Casey Elizabeth Eastlick as Catwoman again. I'm thinking stunt person, like she did one, and she's dressed in the the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer garb.
1: So the but when you do see her briefly in the um, the intro. And that's a
0: reference and a direct nod to Tim Burton's Batman chronology. So it is based on the Michelle Pfeiffer costume. Yep. But the big difference with this one is that the cowl shows her blonde hair. Yeah. So the hair's out hanging more. out the back. Yeah. So- I've got to go with the Tim Burton version as my well. To be fair, preference. To be fair, yeah. toward the end of Batman Returns, you do see a bit of Sawyer's hair. That's only because the costume's getting ripped getting damaged, apart and torn. Yeah. So you but do... I think it's a much better and sleeker look where the hair's inside the cow. Yeah. But they were going for something different. I'll agree I th- with that. I'll agree with that. Every episode, they open and they're showing again the fight between Batman and Catwoman because again yeah. they want to hook you in with that. But that's and- how they're also referencing the fact that. Helena is the love child, or I know, of but so. whenever I see Catwoman put her head down and a blonde head yep. just drapes down, yep. doesn't not do it for you, a fan. Doesn't do it. For um, you. One guy that was skipped over, we have Ian Abercrombie yes. as Alfred Pennyworth, which is interesting. Um, what's the what's going on there? What's the deal with that? Does Alfred
1: just slink away from the cave whenever Bruce is catching some Z's and goes and hangs out at the clock tower
0: with the girls? Bruce isn't in Gotham. He's left. Remember, Bruce hmm. is not at the Manor. And Helena, who is the sole heir to the Wayne Fortune, doesn't want anything to do with the money because Bruce wasn't in her life. But I've got to assume that Bruce didn't know about her. Mm. So what's happening, you've got Alfred that is at the empty manor. And every now and then he'll nip over to the clock tower and spend time with the birds of prey. Why wouldn't you just live in the clock tower with him? What the hell is he doing pottering around in an empty giant manor? So he's, got to, he's, got, you know, he's got upkeep, he's got to, like, yeah, he's got to maintain, he's got to like, dust the vases Bruce and whatever is, else. Bruce is out doing. of town, is he still paying his wages? I'd say he's, something's going on, it's some, not quite explained. Some kind of arrangement. Maybe yeah. they were saving that for season two. You know, I did have a feeling that you were going to ask me what else this actor's been in. But mm. you're not going to, are you? Only, I've actually prepped, mm-hmm. I've got some background information here. Go on. Um, okay, uh, he played Justin Pitt during the sixth season of Seinfeld, Seinfeld. That's right. Rupert Kavanaugh in Desperate Housewives, Professor Crumbs in Wizards of Waverly Place, and Palpatine in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Wow, there you go. So there you go, the guy gets around. So that's the cast. Uh, the costumes, we've already discussed the cattleman costume. What I found interesting to do research for this, the Batgirl suit worn by Diana Mayer in the series is a repaint of the one worn by Alicia Silverstone in Batman and Robin from oh, it's just been repurposed. Yeah, so it's got the gold bat. That's a big change from the from the movie. Mm-hmm. But if you think this say. came out five years later, why not just repurpose those costumes mm-hmm. that they've already got? And they didn't stop with Batgirl. Batman's suit was recycled from Batman and Robin. Changing the color of the suit from blue to black and adding yellow inside the chest emblem. His cowl was recycled from Batman Forever. So it's a bit of a Frankensteining of the costume. Yeah. But for the most part, other than Cattleman's hair, I think the costumes <laughs> look okay. Yeah, I agree that they hold up. Especially the Batgirl costume. Yep. Like whenever they show that costume, it looks really good. It and does. I'd say it looks theatrical. Well, that's because it is. It's yeah. literally the one. And um, it looks like Batwoman.
1: It looks sorry. It looks like Batwoman should. You you know that's Barbara Gordon under the cow. I think we need to talk set design too while we're talking about the look and feel of the show.
0: Okay, to me it looks like a film studio lot. I can see that. We never get that. actually. In A real place, and
1: yeah, and, and that is apparent when they're when the three of them, at just about the end of every episode, are up on the rooftop of the bell tower of the, the clock tower. Rather, the skies are horrendous in this show, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the CGI that they use to flash between the city in extern with the external, you know, like uh, scenes is just really dated and it just looks
0: dated by today's standards. The worst visual that they use in almost every episode is Huntress you're up above like a bird's eye view and she's running along rooftops, yeah. jumping from building to building. Yeah, That is the worst effect that I've seen on the show and they, they show it repeatedly. And that's, it, just shows, it speaks to how dated the show actually looks. So it's either a set, like it's a it's a stage, I'm guessing on the WB soundstage, lot, it's a yeah. stage, or it's dated CGI.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like the interior of the clock tower. It looks really cool.
0: Well, you Can tell that that's a, it's, it's a studio, set, yeah, but I'm, but I'm fine with that. That's fine, yeah. It's when get I that. get budget when and everything on else, that's why, they have, exactly. On I, I know why they have to do it that way. And yeah. it's TV and TV yeah. today is different to TV, TV then. then, and
1: that's the strange thing. This is only about
0: what, like a decade or more ago,
1: yeah, yeah. So look how far TV has come since then, and it, you can see it looks terribly dated, but. In, in saying that, it's so, like I was saying earlier, right off the top of the podcast, it's heavily steeped in nostalgia for both of us. So we have a nostalgia connection to the show. We have, we have a uh, emotional attachment to the show because it reminds us of where we were in our respective lives at that point. But when you go a little deeper and you do a deep dive into it and you see just how kind of fake the show actually looks. I mean, that's the
0: word, isn't it? Fake. Yeah, fake. <laughs> it's so fake.
1: just... And it's it's a bit of a it leaves a bit of a sour aftertaste in the mouth after you kind of are done with like the the sweetness of the toffee that is the the uh, the the emotional sentiment of the show.
0: I mean, the appeal is the fact that yeah. it is a Batman show. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, without Batman, but it still manages to work. Still, yeah, it, it does. But I do dislike New Gotham. Yeah, it's always I don't New like that they call it that. And in this world. Most people don't believe metahumans exist. Mm-hmm. They've not heard of Batman. It's just not a thing. But every now and then you get a sprinkle of DCU. Continuity. Like a character. Oh, I've just flew in from Central City. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's good. I like that. And the
1: term metahuman has um, endure, endured. And it's a term that's used in the modern era It predates CW this show.
0: It predates this show. But, yeah, it's, it's something. It's nice to see that something's yeah. carried over. Bloodhaven—that's mentioned in the show. Yeah, you don't get Metropolis, but you get Central City. Yeah, Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven, which of course is a district
1: that Robin would later go on to patrol. Patrol when he had earned the the proper title of the the mantle of the title Robin.
0: Yeah, so when he becomes Nightwing, but Bloodhaven—it's mm-hmm. an actual city, though, isn't it? It's the city yeah. of Bloodhaven. I always imagine it place. to be
1: the equivalent of New Jersey and New York. Right. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. that. Like, like I always imagine Bloodhaven to be like the Jersey. To uh to Gotham's
0: New York, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that tracks. Mm. What do you think to the fact that they say in the show that no metahuman ability is the same? Because mm. there was a character and it's like, "Oh, he can teleport," and another character says, no, "No, no, no, he can't. He can't teleport because we've already got one of them. Yeah. He must do something else." And then yeah. they, they, see, they have to start coming up creative ways of having an ability that's similar but has to be different. different. I think maybe that speaks to the popular raging, rampant popularity of the X-Men. But not one is the same, though. Mm. How can not one be the same? You yeah. look at the X-Men, and sooner or later, you're going to start doubling up. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, even though Helena Kyle is half-metahuman, half-human, she's got the same powers as Cattlemen. Yeah, essentially. Same. Yeah. Not different.
1: <laughs> yeah. But they're all meant to be different. Yeah, but Catwoman's eyes didn't... Her retinas and her
0: eyes didn't change into well, like... Animal we, don't we don't know, We don't know. Because they tried to sell us a Batman Returns spin-off, but as mm. we've already talked about, it's not a Batman Returns spin-off. Mm. Something completely different. It's a different animal. It's a good metaphor for the
1: show, really. Uh, Birds of Prey is essentially, for all intents and purposes, a different animal. And I think that's... It is.
0: That's a really, really good metaphor for the show. It is. I've got one more connection to Batman Forever the shot of the Arkham Asylum plaque shown in the pilot is taken directly from that movie. Wow. But I'm okay with that. Recycle what you've shot before. Yeah, That's why not? Fine. If it references continuity, sure. And it's a good plaque. Mm-hmm. The show opens uh, with this kick-ass song, Revolution, by Amy Allen. I like the song. Yeah. I liked it then. I like it now. It's, it is a good song. It's got like a really uh, radio rock radio-friendly kind of
1: vibe to it. It's kind of... I want to say heavy, but it does have a bit of a grit to it, and it is pretty rocking, and it's very emblematic of the, of the early 2000s. It has that early 2000s feel to it, so you know what period we're referencing here when you listen to the music of the show. If
0: you go back to Smallville, like the the first, I'd say at least the first five years, and you had soundtracks like music from the Talon. And it was like rock pop music. Yeah. And that's what Smallville was. And that's what they were using here. Radio friendly rock pop, like you say. But in that pilot, they got Oasis. Mm. How the hell did they get Oasis to sign off on this show? Well, maybe when you think about it, it's owned by
1: the CW so sorry, by the W B and the W B Warner Brothers also had the Warner music label,
0: so maybe Oasis was signed oh, to the Warner. I mean maybe, man, but I don't know. But Oasis, Liam Gallagher, Noel Gallagher, I yeah, can't yeah. see them signing off on this. Yeah, but yeah. I remember picking up a magazine in the UK and it had Batgirl on the cover mm-hmm. and they were making a big noise about Oasis and other bands yeah, but featuring it's, in, come on, it's in the royalties in the, it's in the show. Pay, it's a
1: paycheck. it's going really, to
0: a paycheck. You know, I can't think of anything else that features Oasis. I'm sure there's things out there, no. but certainly not a team but The Gallagher's aren't going to say no to a paycheck from the States. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they
1: have. There you go. So yeah, use our song. No, no, just man. give us I'm mic.
0: sure they've said no many, many times. Mm. But anyway, personally, I'm really surprised to hear Oasis mm. in here. Fair okay, enough. so... Oh, the composer. We should credit the bloody composer. It's Mark <laughs> Snow. Okay, there's a of name. Of X-Files fame. So I, I knew him from the X-Files and that awesome... Awesome X Files thing. I wish that was Charlie Crowder. No, hundred percent. I had the tape cassette. I bought there the single. They released it. It was in the charts. Well, come around, go around. Absolutely love Mark Snow for the X Files, but he then went on to do Smallville. Mark Snow. Some for everyone. The pilot. Then three female superheroes join forces to fight crime in New Gotham. Pretty simple premise. We don't need to get into the ins and outs of every episode, but what I will say broadly is that there is more bad episodes than good episodes. If only for the terribly choreographed action and the and the lame effects of the time. The action is dated, but I can go with it for the for the most part. Like we do get some some okay episodes in here. Sins of the Mother, episode five, that's the one mm. where Black Canary is in the episode. And we yeah. find out that oh, yeah. all along we are all along two Black Canaries. We just didn't. We're getting our chain Yep. But a lot of these villains are pretty, a pretty Generic. average. Uh, we get Lady Shiva, which is pretty cool. But they change it up a little bit to, to fit the continuity yep. of this of this story. Yeah, I think Clayface is referenced. We actually get Clayface in a yep. whole episode. Uh, Episode 10, Gladiatrix, Fight Club for Women. By far, by a country mile, the worst episode (laughs) of the whole series. It's Fight Club for Women with superpowers. The whole thing sounds terrible. a bad, bad episode. Mm. Even though they are rushing towards the ending, like when we get to episode 11, Reunion, we've got episode 12, Feet of Clay, and then the finale, Devil's Eyes. Those three are some of the stronger episodes. Reunion, that's the one where Huntress reveals her identity to Reese, and they do it in a genuinely good way. It's Mm -hmm. a high school reunion, it's at a bar, and something's going down at the bar, and Reese is there investigating, and then she says, hey, listen, I'm Helena Kyle, the girl you're looking for. Mm -hmm. It was well done. Fair enough. It was a good episode. Feet of Clay. Now, We're getting a lot of, like, run-of-the-mill, one-and-done bad guys that we've never seen before, we've never heard before. But when we get to episode 12, Batman villain, it is Clayface. There you go. in this episode, we find out that in this series, Clayface is the one that murdered Catwoman. Ah, okay. There's a bit of a reveal, because the whole thing about Clayface is also... A shapeshifter. So he took on different identities. Basil Carla. So I think they use a different name. Mm. Um, they use a different name in the show. So they, they change it all. But I think, again, Elseworlds, yeah. Earth 2, You have to look at it like that. It is, it is different. But in this, cause we got the flashbacks to... Because Helena was there when her mum was killed. And at the time, she didn't know that her mum was Catwoman because she'd given up that identity mm. when she was born. But she sees somebody, and I always took it that it was the Joker. Yeah, that's the apparent, that's the impression you get from the pilot. And then the next thing we see is the Joker
1: shooting Barbara Gordon. Because the voiceover from Alfred says that the Joker's uh, revenge was not finished with yet. So you thought you, you're led to believe that the events are
0: linked, but turns out they're not. It was Clayface all along. So mm. just thinking about that as a concept, so like in the future, whether it's the comics or what we get in this TV show, Clayface, who's never been an A list Batman villain, although he's in his murders, Rose Gallery. Murders Catwoman. It's yeah. uh, it's kind of yeah, you're quite right. a, he's not a one big of deal.
1: Batman's big, big Rose Gallery villains. He's not known as, as much as his other
0: big big bads. And then when we get to the finale Devil's Eyes, Harley Quinn isn't a meta she becomes one in this episode and she gets devil's eyes i guess the name of the episode She's really stupid she's able to like hypnotize people mm-hmm. and manipulate them into doing whatever she I, wants that was to ridiculous do. i just found that whole thing to be really dumb because she can manipulate people she turns huntress on barbara yeah and then we get them to find it out. Black Canary is involved. You know, she's a character as well that I found towards the last couple of episodes. They fast-tracked her and put her in the lever and yep. had a kicking ass, whereas before, yep. it was more of a gradual yep. development.
1: I just, to me, that's lazy writing. To me, it's just bad writing. And they're just trying to, like, speed, like you say, speed things up and get to the finish line so they can wrap
0: production on the show. But again, like, what could they do? They yeah. ran out of time. yeah. The last scene I rewound and watched quite a few times because mm-hmm. I wanted to get the dialogue perfect. Just and right. I was very surprised and I forgot that this even happened. So it ends, you got, you know, the birds of prey, they wrap up their thing. I think they're on the rooftop. We're getting one of those scenes you were talking about with a fake sky and the, you know, bit of banter on the roof, girls together. Mm-hmm. But the last thing we see, is Alfred. It's Alfred. Talking I liked him. that it was Alfred. And yeah, he's talking on the phone to Bruce. To... Do you want to do it? Do you want me to do it? He's talking on the phone to Bruce and he says, Your daughter's doing rather well. You would be most proud. Mm. Most proud indeed. Mm. The show ends and I'm like, Well, there you have it. It's been shit for the most part, unfortunately. <laughs> but that left me with a smile. Yeah. I really liked that. But then I'm still, what are you doing, Bruce? What are you doing? See, Batman never hangs up the cow. Yeah, but that's the thing. I, you're led
1: to believe that he had. You're led to believe that maybe he'd retired. And that was it. He was done. His days of being Batman were done. Then he was leaving Gotham in capable hands. That was what I imagine the show was really referencing. So it's interesting this, that, that he, Bruce is just up and left Gotham. He's just out of town, gone.
0: I like that he's still out there, and I love the fact that Bruce had a conversation with... Alfred. Alfred, sorry, had a conversation with Bruce, even though we never see Bruce beyond those clips of him as Batman in in the opening. It was just nice knowing that they've still got that relationship and Bruce is out there somewhere. The one thing
1: I liked about that final episode was seeing Alfred kick it with a lass, because it speaks to his, um, his former career as a British Secret Services military operative. Just that bit where, like... You know, um, the jig is up. Uh, there's an interrogation scene going on between Huntress and Harley, and um, Harley is about to get the upper hand, but then the cavalry arri- the cavalry arrives, and Alfred just cocks the shotgun, and he's just like, "Bring it on!" And all hell ensues, in- in all hell breaks loose. But it's really nice to see Alfred just like step up to the plate with the shoddy, the sawn-off shoddy, and being like, "Yep, I'm badass. I'm more than just a butler." You know
0: my. Memory until this rewatch of Alfred in the show mm-hmm. was very, very low. My, my, my thoughts on the character, I wasn't a fan at all, whereas there is some redeeming qualities in this. And that, that's one of them in that closing mm-hmm. scene. So I do come around to Alfred in the show, but it took mm-hmm. me a very long time. Mm-hmm. Very, very long time. He's
1: pretty subservient in the earlier episodes. And it's like they've just shoehorned him in to kind of reference canon and reference Batman and serve as a link. Towards Batman, and that's what it feels like in the earlier episodes, but like you say his role has more exposition as the season churns along and reaches its conclusion For the rating then, I'll let you go first I'm going to give this, I'm going to be generous and say I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5 Um, if only because uh, it's, it's the nostalgia value for me, it had me falling in love with the show all over again, it really has me wanting to hopefully get it on DVD if they see, um, fit to re-release it on DVD. Um, and it it just speaks to a time in my life. It speaks to where I was at in my life and and I associate the show with where I was at in my life back then in my early twenties. And, um, I guess there is a sentimental attachment and that's what, that's what kind of links me to the show and gives me a bit of, bit of a nostalgic smile about it and so that's why i generously give it a 3.5 out of five although i acknowledge it probably deserves a little less than that for its shoddy production values and you know in action sequences and it's um some of its deception
0: and deceit i'm going to come in a little bit lower like you know we've talked about pros and cons for this show like i love the fact that that it exists (laughs) it's a show and and like yourself if they do release it here in australia on dvd i will pick it up add it to my dctv collection but the fact that there is way more bad episodes than good episodes i can't bring myself to give it anything higher than a two than a what a two a two okay a two two out of five okay no that's that's fair that's fair That's it for our episode all about Birds of Prey. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today.
1: Thank you. Thank you
0: very much for having me back. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Well, you're going to be coming back very shortly because we will be doing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Can't wait to get into it. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.